Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. Oh, that song. Let me admit something about that song. As a new immigrant here in the early 80s, I tell all the kids at elementary school that that flock of seagulls hit was about Iran, my home country. (laughs) And you know what? It was. It still is. The U.S. and Iran are so close to normalizing at least economic ties, and yet so far away. Four decades of sanctions have kept these former allies mired in a rhetorical cold war. Axis of evil, great Satan, blah, 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 blah. But put that theater aside for an hour and listen to the actual views of an Iranian businessman who moved his family here last year to reinvent as an Iranian-American entrepreneur. Full disclosure, stay with us. Local broadcast of Full Disclosure made possible by the generous support of Elwood Thompson's, aspiring to feed the heart and soul of our community through a strong commitment to local and organic food. Elwood Thompson's, located at the top of Richmond's Carytown. And Best Bully Sticks, high-quality, all-natural dog treats and chews. Low prices and high customer service make all the difference. Check them out at bestbullysticks.com and call at 877-483-5853. Here, so as fate would have it, last year I am shopping in a grocery store looking for cheese, a specific kind of sliced cheese that my son likes. And I ask uh, a gentleman in the produce section who works there, excuse me, do you know where this cheese is? Uh, It's it's like a Horizon Organics, blah, 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 blah. He's like, excuse me, I'm new. Let me ask my manager. And then he uh, runs to the other side of the store. And I was like, you know, I recognize that accent. And he comes back and I see, bam, on his name tag it says Reza. Immediately, like, that's a Persian name. Yes, I speak Farsi. Another Iranian in Richmond. Long story short, not only did Reza Davari just come to central Virginia from Iran, but he came from my city, Shiraz, the ancient city of gardens and poets, the sixth most populous. Um, And in a a twist of fate, we find each other talking about uh, politics, current affairs, and whatnot, and his aspirations to become an entrepreneur in Central Virginia. So having arrived in the United States 15 months ago from Iran, here he is, Mr. Reza Davari. Welcome to Full Disclosure. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure for me being here. Well, I'm, I'm really fascinated, maybe the way the stars aligned for us to meet, but you came here, you said you won a lottery to leave Iran and come to the United States. How did that work? After uh, we saw our name in, in that uh, website that uh, that said we we won the lottery, we, uh, it, it's it's really uh, a hard decision for us to make because we uh, we had to uh, lift all the things that we had and we uh, and move to another country uh, with uh, with my family mm-hmm. and uh, start a new life here. So after making that decision we decided to uh, just for uh, my son's uh, future. future yeah which as i told you biographically is why my parents fled iran obviously it was a different time it was right before the revolution in 1978 uh, my dad and mom always say that we did this 
you know, for the future of my son. And so yes, exactly. it immediately resounded with me that uh, you said you came here to Central Virginia because you heard there's an amazing elementary school. Yes, exactly. Uh, we, uh, how did you pick? How did you pick this area? Uh, fortunately, uh, these days, because of the uh, because it's the in uh, it, because of the uh, technology, we can search and we can access to different uh, sources of information. That's why we um, we search a lot and also because my cousin uh, Lee, uh, she uh, she has been here for uh, for a long time. Uh, Was she in Central Virginia? Yes, uh, this, uh, we are neighbor here, uh, so uh, we decided to come here uh, because of the. A quality of the city, and because of the quality of the schools and the things that we we may have. Well, here. tell me, Reza John, what what was your education in Iran? What did you do for a living? I understand. I look at your LinkedIn profile. You were a you're a businessman. You were into agriculture. You were into export import. And now, uh, tell us about that experience. What you studied. Uh, what you did. I have BA in English literature, but um, it is a, it is a, a tool for uh, knowing English is a kind of tool for me because uh, I worked I worked in a, a trading company for for uh, seven year for seven years um, uh, and uh, I did um, uh, all of the. Uh, research for finding uh, new new products that suits uh, to to be imported to our country, mm-hmm. and also uh, I did the uh, all of the communication and and, and also uh, translated the catalogs and the. And the uh, uh, so an English literature degree in Iran is actually very useful. Yes, uh, for tra- uh, for the field that I uh, I picked. Yes, it did is you like- deal with a lot of British and Australian customers? No, we mainly worked uh, with uh, with Chinese and uh, also a company in India and a company in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we imported their products to Iran. Okay, so let's get the background of this, as uh, some of our listeners may. Uh, realize Iran and the United States have been mired uh, in in terrible relations for the better part of three and a half decades. Uh, The uh, U.S. uh, prisoners were kept hostage there for 444 days, released when Ronald Reagan uh, took office. Um, And following that, with the Khomeini, uh, Ayatollah Khomeini's ascent to power, really it's been a matter of sanctions regime after sanctions regime on Iran. Uh, President Clinton tightened them up again in 1996. You saw the Obama administration really put the screws to Iran at a time when oil prices were falling. Um, Can you tell us what it was like to be in your line of work in export-import? I understand you did pomegranates and pistachios and even washers and dryers in 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 a world of tightening sanctions? Uh, yes, um, we, uh, actually, the uh, the uh, politics is uh, is uh, has a uh, great effect on on different uh, aspects of people's uh, people life in in my country because uh, each decision what uh, that uh, that is made by uh, any politician in 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 uh, in. In other countries, have a great uh, direct effect on people's life over there. Uh, I think um, 
the, the life uh, the life of people getting getting um, more difficult because of the uh, because of the these politic uh, political situation so wait, why is that though because in a world where increasingly you you can argue from an export import even though the United States is the biggest economy in the world the biggest importer the biggest you know not to a certain extent exporter that might be China after all there is China who's willing to trade with anyone China is a very close trading partner of Iran is willing to buy its oil no matter what there is uh Russia. After all, uh, the, the, the president of Iran, Rouhani, met with Vladimir Putin this week to put the screws to the Iranian negotiations going on on, on nuclear uh, proliferation and non-proliferation and sanctions. There are many players out there, even the British, the French, the Germans, the Dutch, that happily but, trade with Iran. But uh, but the main decision, I think, uh, the, somehow the boss is the United States. All of them uh, should follow the uh, follow the uh, the uh, same uh, same rule, I think, because uh, they cannot. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, it it is a kind of uh, uh, teamwork, I think, and they uh, they have to uh, they have to follow one one uh, rule, I think. So uh, you did notice that uh, your life became much tougher in terms of transacting business over three, four years. What was it? The banking yes, regulations? Yes, uh, we, can, uh, we, uh, we cannot do the transactions. We cannot uh, uh, import the goods directly to Iran. Uh, so when when you cannot uh, import the things from the main source, it it, uh, it increased uh, your cost of transportation. So it cannot be done uh, and it is not economical anymore um then there aren't other other people to come in and you know uh fill in fill in the void when it can't be done i mean did you depend on the exchange to the dollar or to the euro what was the one thing that kind of drove you crazy enough as a businessman uh, to say listen i need to take a chance on the united it, it states is, it, uh, it, it, uh, we cannot. Uh, it it completely block our way of uh, of sending uh, money and receiving the goods. That's why we cannot do anything. Let me ask you tactically: If you are the Obama administration, I know you're not a diplomat <laughs> or a politician or a defense strategist or anything like that. Isn't this evidence that it was working? Isn't it evidence that you're putting a lot of pressure on the entire? Regime there because obviously you know if, if the people are unhappy they take to the streets like they did in two thousand and nine uh-huh. you saw oil prices tank that regime then that's that's been in power now for thirty seven years almost cannot pay its people cannot pay the paramilitaries in the street cannot pay uh, for tuition for the poor uh, that that the fact that they're at the table right now willing to sacrifice something showed that the sanctions worked. Yes, but uh, but I think over there can uh, people cannot do anything because of the because of the kind of um, let's call it dictatorship that uh, rules the country. Uh, in, People cannot make any decision directly. So uh, yes, the sanction uh, works and it it has a great effect on people's life. But uh, people, unfortunately, people cannot do anything. Uh, so what they was, just they just suffer. They suffer, and yes. I understand as part of the suffering, there are stories that you know. Here we have Uber and Lyft, but over there, doctors and businessmen they they ride out their cars as taxis at night. 
because of inflation, because of the cost of living, because the economy is in such. A lot of people take two or three jobs. Yes, uh, yes, uh, lots of them. But based on on their uh, opportunity that they have, they uh, they choose uh, the the field. Let's say. Uh, the, the other uh, field of activity that they can uh, do. Uh, I I've not seen any uh, any doctor who is a um, uh, uh, taxi driver, but I've seen lots of them uh, doing constructions and the things that are totally different from uh, their field of study. So uh, what what you know? Uh, talk to me about the Iranian consumer. Let's not forget that the Iran. Uh, under the Shah and the United States, they were actually allies. They were very tight. They were very close commercial partners. I think Jimmy Carter, before he he kind of really miscalculated what was going on in Tehran, said, "We think of them as an island of stability in a in a rough sea of the of the Middle East and everything else that was going on." People don't realize that Harvard Business School had a satellite campus in Tehran as recently as 1978. Mm-hmm. The Iran Center for Management Studies, uh, Goldman Sachs, came out several years ago and included Iran on its list of the next 11 growth uh, stories in developing markets. There's actually a really young, vibrant consumer class there. People want things. You hear stories about uh, bootleg bottles of Johnny Walker, Cosmo magazines, people watch Baywatch on satellite TV. Tell us about the Iranian consumer. Um, I think uh, it, it is a great part of uh, Iran, um, this this. Uh, this part of people that uh, we want to talk about, but they have everything, but not in public. They can do anything, but uh, n- n- uh, somehow we call it underground. Uh, we, uh, we can uh, push the pad uh, exactly behind the curtain. Yeah, uh, so uh, they have lots of uh, because. Beside these sanctions, Iran is a very wealthy country, and it has great resources of almost everything. But the people themselves are not very wealthy, right? The oil money that comes in is spent, and there's still a budget deficit in Iran. But the people even working straight-up jobs and jobs at night or taxi driving or or construction worker on the side, they have to put up with runaway inflation – they have to put up with uh, a standard of living and a difficulty of bureaucracy. So I don't understand where that money is to, for example, buy a, a, an iPhone underground or an iPad. Yes, or, uh, but magazines uh, but or imagine, liquor. Imagine people uh, spend uh, spend lots of money in cash to buy a uh, brand new uh, BMW. Uh, even in in the United States, uh, people cannot. Uh, people may not uh, pay uh, such a great amount of money in cash to buy a, a, a brand new car. So uh, I mean, um, lots of people are like this, but uh, they cannot enjoy the money that they have because they may afraid of uh, some uh, some other. Uh, thing, uh, for example, uh, I don't know how to explain. Say it. it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Because you Farsi. So really, they're worried about how their neighbors and the authorities would look at the situation. Yes, yes, exactly. So tell us about these parties, though, behind the scene. You hear about these legendary parties, Poshtepade, where people would feel free to be maybe a little more materialistic. 
Is that a case in Shiraz too, or just in northern Tehran that you hear about the most amazing parties in the world? Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, it is among the, uh, the youth, I, I think. They, they, because they, uh, the, uh, most of the people over there uh, uh, have satellite TV and they, uh, they watch uh, different, uh, different shows and TV, uh, uh, TV programs on, uh, on the satellite, uh, satellite. They see things that yeah. they want. Yeah, uh, they just want, uh, want to be like, uh, like the, uh, like the, uh, the actor and actresses in, uh, and they, they just uh, like uh, to enjoy their lives. Well, before you left, what were the most popular shows on TV, especially for young people? Uh, there are uh, lots of. Um, there is a, a Turkish channel uh, in Iran, and they like uh, that uh, the TV series that uh, were played on that. But is it true that people still watch reruns of Baywatch? Uh, yes, but uh, the ways it goes back uh, a lot, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, what are the what are the some of the products that people demand the most? Do you think um, uh, that that they look at? I mean, if you were to talk to, um, let's say, a median fifteen year old or a twenty year old today in Iran, what is what is the one product that they're craving the most? Are they still buying compact disc? Is it hardware? Um, is it is it certain Western foods, Western brands? Uh, exactly, I think uh, pizza and hamburger are uh, one of the uh, one of the of two foods uh, that people like to eat uh, just because uh, to be uh, to be uh, like like an American, I think. And also, uh, I iPhone is their uh, uh, popular uh, mobile. How do you get an iPhone in Iran? Um, you cannot buy from the Apple store, but uh, lots of uh, shops uh, imported them from Dubai, uh-huh. uh, and uh, they, uh, you can go and buy. So anyone who has enough money can buy whatever they want in Iran? Yes. Anything? Yes, anything. Does that include liquor? Yes, exactly. What is the even, most? Is it Shivas Regal, Johnny Walker? <laughs> yes, uh, but but uh, unfortunately, you cannot trust them because uh, lots of them are uh, lots of them are mixed with uh, with other things. Uh, but uh, I heard that uh, two months ago that even uh, uh, some restaurants serve liquor in Shiraz. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, you know that uh, Shiraz is uh, the, uh, the, the name of cap- a wine. Right. Yeah, and uh, they they name that kind of wine because of RCD Shiraz. Yeah, the Australians call it Syrah. Yeah, but very few people realize. Obviously, a country that has uh, is a dry country that has a prohibition on alcohol. Uh, has some, some of the best grapes for wine-making purposes. Yes. Uh, you are allowed to have sacramental wine, you know, if you're a Jewish family. I guess they let you keep a limited amount for the Sabbath. Uh, but I, I want to get at um, ultimately what convinced you that you were going you, you, you to be in this lottery and you were going to upend your entire life. Yes, you had a relative here, uh, but on the, uh, you, you seem to see a lot of optimism in investing circles and emerging market circles for Iran, but then at the same time, it's pretty binary. If if sanctions are lifted, that's going to be that's going to open the floodgates to, you know, the true opportunity that this country has has missed over the last thirty five years. But if not, and especially if oil prices fall again, you have a country mired in stagflation. So why did you ultimately leave? 
for uh, for uh, for my future, you mean? Yeah, I mean, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur. Uh, I really like uh, we're uh, as I told you before uh, we're here for uh, for the future of my son. I I think we uh, came here a little bit late. Uh, uh, I mean for myself, I'm uh, I'm not young enough to start a new life here. But I think that uh, if uh, if I have ch- chance, I'm going to uh, continue my my study, and it's my first goal. And also, I like to start a, a, a new job. Uh, it is what I have in my ha- head. Hmm. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We're talking to Reza Davari, an Iranian uh, who's new to the United States. He's an entrepreneur here who can tell us about both sides of the ledger, what, what this promise of uh, economic normalization means in Iran to the average Iranian and why he left that all behind to come to the United States. Um, uh, when did you when when was the United States first on your radar effectively when did you uh, what was your exposure to the United States let's say when you were in your 20s or your restless teenager years uh, did you, you how would you study business you were allowed to study American literature but were you interested in in, in the business culture here no I I studied uh, English literature because uh, I I thought it, it uh, United States uh, is my uh, dream country, and I really like this country. Uh, Why? Why is it your dream country? Where did you first learn about it? Uh, when I was a young, uh, when I was a kid, I uh, my uh, my cousins left Iran to uh, and they came here to study, and uh, I really like to uh, follow their way. And that's why. Uh, but they were weren't allowed to communicate to you. It's not like they could call you and tell you the truth, what it was like over here. How did you find out about the real America? Because certainly you're given a lot of disinformation over there. Yes, uh, but uh, but I uh, I uh, I uh, used to study uh, lots uh, lots of different books, uh, and that's why uh, this is the way that I uh, I try to get some uh, trustful information hmm. instead of propaganda. Yeah, somehow. And so today, on a day like this, it's 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 Quds Day in Iran, where apparently they're you know they're lamenting uh, the, the the disaster to them of of what happened to the Palestinians and compared to Israel, and they're using the opportunity. Thousands of people in the streets shouting, "Death to America! Death to Israel! Death to the House of Saud, Saudi Arabia!" What does it mean when an American sees people in the streets saying, "Death to America"? I think. Uh, I think. Uh, Nowadays, people of of both countries know that it is not the it is not the the it is not something that people really want in Iran, because. But uh, so I mean, you couldn't you say something milder like "Screw you, America"? <laughs> but death to America is pretty absolute. I mean, yes, why? yes, but it it is not uh, people's uh, people's voice. It is it is just uh, one what. Uh, the, our uh, rulers want uh, want them to say, but it is not uh, in uh, when uh, ni- uh, 9-11 uh, 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 happened. Lots of people came uh, on the street and uh, 
uh, with candles and uh, yeah to um, to show their uh, sympathy with the with the um, victims of this uh, happening so the, i think that was the true iranian not the, the people that came and said uh, down with usa you have both regimes continuously i mean i remember when khatami was elected president in the late 90s and there was a lot of promise he was a much friendlier face. And yes. you see a lot of that now with Rouhani after um, uh, Ahmadinejad. Uh, and then the, at the same time that there might be bluster between uh, the, the the foreign ministers and the, the military rulers of the countries and rhetoric and death to America and axis of evil, at the same time people are saying we should have people-to-people exchanges because invariably you talk to the rare American tourist that gets to go Iran. They, they love it. You know, Anthony Bourdain was there. Yes. Uh, but they also come back saying you don't know which Iran you are dealing with. I mean, it's one thing to deal with the people on the person-to-person level who love American culture, who love hamburgers, who love Johnny Walker in private. But then you ultimately have to deal with officials at the airport. You have to deal with paramilitaries. You have to deal with bureaucrats. A um, perfect example of this is this this Washington Post reporter, Jason Rezaian, who's been in jail now for 354 days, uh, almost a year, after I saw him grant a, a very generous interview to Anthony Bourdain, the CNN food personality, when he went there. He's sitting with his wife in a, in a mountain cafe uh, north of Tehran, eating kebab and raving about this country, saying, yeah, I miss certain things in Iran, but I live here. I love it. And I thought it was a real positive, almost like a chamber of commerce treatment for Iran, but then they throw him into jail. Um, and so Bourdain, who came off we saying can, that this is a very friendly— say that, uh, We can say that uh, it, it is another kind of uh, things that happen behind—we uh, we should say uh, we should look for the things that uh, happen behind the curtain. It is—I uh, think they want to do uh, something with the—they uh, want to exchange maybe uh, some uh, some prisoners, I don't know. Uh, some, why, why would you do that? Why why would you take a person, you know, he has, he has, I don't know, blood pressure issues. He's clearly, you know, if you're trying to set an example, if you're these nuclear negotiators, and obviously I know I'm not talking to a member of the regime, you're a person yeah. who left Iran after all. Why would you not show some goodwill? I mean, you know, and I know that Persian they made, people. They, they, uh, they made lots of uh, mistakes uh, before and they're, uh, they're insisting of um, making wrong decisions. Again. Still making wrong yeah. decisions. Because the one thing that is always offensive to me is, um, you know, I meet you at a grocery store and there's an immediate, we're famous for our hospitality. We're yes, famous exactly. for Tarof. We're famous for... Uh, opening our doors to people, you know, it's an embarrassment if I have, if my mom has people over and doesn't make four different dishes. You want to show, you know, we have this, this, this ancient Persian hospitality, a warmth, and you're getting the very exact opposite of that from the official face of Iran. Yes, uh, and I don't understand. Like these guys are at the negotiating yeah, table, and they should be projecting that as well. Maybe that's why uh, most of the people said that uh, uh, those people that made that decision uh, decision are not true Iranians. So they've been in power though for thirty seven years. Yes, but uh, uh, this is the meaning of uh, dictatorship. Uh, who selected them uh, to be their rulers? 
they brought themselves in. I mean, there was a revolution, but they also say that a regime if, installed if you, by if revolution. You, is, if you uh, if you uh, look at uh, the people, uh, the, the people's goal in that revolution, you mean uh, you see that there are uh, lots of changes. They, uh, the, n- uh, now uh, the things that people see uh, nowadays uh, are not the, uh, the things that they wanted before. Mm. Um, tell us about uh, what you think of, of a potential economic normalization. I mean, look, the United States does business with China, which is uh, has a terrible human rights record. Uh, obviously, yes. Iran and China in prison execute a lot of people. The United States for decades did not do business with Cuba, largely because a very powerful contingent of, of Cuban-Americans in South Florida said, hell no. What What is your perception? I mean, the Iranian diaspora in the United States, are they pro lifting of sanctions? Are they pro-normalization? Or is there a part of them tactically that are like, you know, why take the boot off the regime's neck when, when it's kind of desperate to come to the table? It's a difficult uh, question, I think, because uh, because we should uh, we should uh, see uh, what will happen next um, because uh, v- I think they they care more uh, more about people in uh, in Syria in in other countries more about uh, more than our own people. The regime there cares more about yeah. it's, it's yeah. uh, exporting <laughs> yeah exporting um uh, kind of a theology exporting its 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 military policy than it yes, does. Yes, uh, see, uh, they, uh, lo- uh, we have lots of poor people uh, in Iran uh, who they uh, Need uh, lots of uh, basic things for their uh, daily life, but uh, instead of feeding them, uh, they send money to other countries. And why isn't this something that ticks off more Iranians? We saw people took to the streets in 2009 during the riots where where uh, Neda Soleimani was killed. We also saw it in 1999 with the student riots. You find, you know, Tom Friedman had an amazing article in Foreign Policy magazine several years ago that plots. The price of oil to the fate of regimes in places like Tehran and Caracas. Suddenly, when oil prices plunge, the regime there, which is even running a deficit with when oil was near triple digits, can't afford to pay uh, you know, the bazaaris or certain contingents in the economy that they pay off for political support. And then people take to the streets. What happened in 2009? They came uh, to uh, and uh, they want their. Uh, they looked for the, uh, their uh, vote, uh, I think, and they wanted uh, to uh, see what ha- uh, what happened be- uh, to the decision that they made and to the people that they wanted uh, to be their uh, president. But uh, because of uh, some. Uh, because uh, maybe uh, they can, uh, they didn't have a, a certain uh, leader, or uh, or uh, they may lost the, their goal. They cannot uh, follow it anymore. I mm. think. What is your prediction on uh, these negotiations? We're at the day that they, the self-imposed really deadline like, day. I really like uh, like it to stop the people suffer. I I really I don't uh, be, because it is the thing that re, uh, people really need. 
So this would immediately bring an infusion of frozen assets abroad. It would allow for exporting, but it would also allow for military technology. Russia and China support it because they could more easily sell yes, military but, technology. Uh, but, uh, but the most part of it is, uh, has a great uh, effect on pe- uh, people's daily life. I think mm. it, it helps uh, somehow it helps uh, people to uh, to buy things uh, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, it, it, it has a great effect on on the price of uh, everything uh, I think Mr. Davari tell us about your first year here it's been 15 months what what, what 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 has most surprised you about the United States what was it like when you first went into a supermarket here uh it is uh, it is uh, it was really challenging uh, and it is uh, it is uh, really uh different from uh, the the things that we had in in our country uh, we, uh, now, uh here you have um, more choices uh, for whatever you want to buy and also the prices are uh, really cheaper than uh, than uh, the the things in Iran mm-hmm. uh, and because uh, we're uh, we uh, because of the power of money here you can buy more things with your money here than in Iran give us a give us an example like what was that first day in the big grocery store like was it a U-crop did you go to a a, a, a Kroger a Martin's a Walmart uh, where did you go uh, uh, I I I I went there uh, to Costco with my cousin uh, for the first time. Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. And, and it was a huge uh, grocery store uh, and uh, and the size of things are <laughs> really big. Yeah. <laughs> 10 gallons of mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. What was the what was the, the the thing that you were most eager to try here and that you did try? Did you go to McDonald's? I uh, know, but uh, we tried Chick-fil-A for the first that time. Chick-fil-A is really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and other things that you weren't able to get easily in Iran, uh, what were the things here that you were able to buy? Did you did you suddenly buy more meat? Did you buy more fresh vegetables? The main different things that um, you can buy here is if you pay more, you can buy a better things. For example, in Iran, you can uh, you can pay more, but uh, you cannot trust the thing that you buy. But here, uh, the quality of the products is, uh, I think, it is uh, better. And if you pay more, you can uh, buy the uh, uh, things with better quality. After your first week here, when you, you know, when you went to bed and you closed your eyes, what was going through your mind? What was it? What what did you expect, and what did you see, and what were some of the shocks? Uh, you, uh, can you? Uh, what, what, what were those thoughts that went through your mind as you debriefed with yourself? Uh, when I uh, when we went uh, out uh, to do some shopping, it was uh, what what was amazing for us is the, the how 
how uh, people like to buy things and the size of their shopping carts. Uh, really... What about the size of the people here? Did <laughs> yeah, that impress you exactly. too? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Have you gained any weight since you've been here? No, I, I the lost freshman weight. 15? <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost some weight. Well, look, it was a trauma for my family when we came here. It was a different time. Uh, many Americans were resentful of the hostage crisis. Uh, my dad was running around trying to get his medical degree. My mom was in beauty school. She was the wife of a doctor in Iran, but we were very much laid low when we came here. Have you sheltered your child from all of these things? It's a very difficult age, 11. Yes. And uh, your child had to bone up on English and suddenly catch up with all the kids here? My... Uh... We um, we sent um, our son uh, to English uh, classes when uh, since he uh, he was uh, four or five, uh, and uh, he had uh, some basic knowledge of uh, English. So uh, and and also it is uh, uh, because um, because uh, childrens are more flexible. It is much easier for them to adjust themselves. Was it traumatic for your son coming here? Yeah, uh, it is difficult for him because uh, he's uh, very dependent to our uh, to my family. Uh, so uh, he he missed uh, he missed his grandma's uh, grandparents, in fact. And uh, but uh, it it is exciting for him, I think. At the same time, he doesn't have to see his mom in hijab. She's free to go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. In fact, your wife works at the mall in retail. Yes. Um, did she work in Iran? Yes, uh, but um, he uh, she was um, uh, she was a manager uh, when we were uh, in Iran. But now uh, it is a, it is a kind of change for uh, her position too. Well, let me ask you about that because I I think about my father and my father was a doctor in Iran and he came here and he had to run around and. At one point, he was an x-ray technician. At one point, he was selling shoes at a Kmart just to make ends meet uh, while he bridged his uh, dislocation, his life to the next stage of his career, becoming a, a registered nurse, you know, 15 years after we came here. Um, how has it been for you? You were a uh, manager. You were a corporate person in Iran. I mean, business development manager at Pars Air Conditioning. You dealt with People in Hong Kong, India, Turkey, the Emirates, Saudi Arabia. You were the uh, manager of a family-operated farm. Uh, you did uh, English uh, correspondence with a, a multinational trading company in Iran. And you come here and, um, look, we all have to make ends meet. You have cash flow issues. You're not allowed to take cash out of Iran when you come here. But you're working in a grocery. Uh, what, what, what do you, what is, is, it, is this to kind of keep cash, to make ends meet? It seems to be a universal immigrant experience, but you have higher aspirations than this. Yes, uh, I think uh, because uh, because uh, we're here uh, for my son's future, it is a kind of uh, we need to sacrifice somehow uh, ourselves uh, because uh, uh, if if. Uh, Let's say uh, that in my country, uh, 
what is uh, not pleasant to say that most of the people like to be boss, uh-huh. but uh, they say in every Iranian is the is a is the ancestor a Persian emperor or empress. <laughs> exactly, I believe it. I tend yes. to believe it. Yes, but uh, but it but beside that, people. Uh, believe in that if you go to United States uh, you need to start from uh, working in a in a restaurant so it is something that uh, they they accept it so uh, before um, before moving uh, I know that uh, we are uh, we are uh, we are going to start from uh, from somehow from zero so uh, because uh, because we have uh, we have this in our mind it is much easier for us to uh, to make that decision i want to go to your linkedin profile what's beautiful is you have <laughs> <laughs> this great LinkedIn profile up there. You very much caught up with the times here in the United States. You haven't wasted much time trying to hit the ground running. Even when I met you a year ago, you're like, listen, I'm here. But uh, look, brother, I'm looking to do big things. So let's talk. Let's meet. You were very smart. You brought me some Persian food today. Uh, your LinkedIn profile is very up to date. And in the summary, it says, you are seeking an opportunity in the area of sales and customer service to utilize your 14 years of professional experience to advance your career for further success and growth. Talk to me about this. What is your ideal job in your mind's eye? What would complete your American dream professionally? Uh, uh, as I told you before, uh, I'm here. Uh, I'm not here uh, to personally speaking. I'm not uh, here to work in a grocery store uh, for years. Uh, I know that it, it is a kind of uh, stepping stone for me, but uh, but not uh, not uh, but not for a long time. I like to continue my study, but beside that, I I really like to uh, to start my own business. I uh, I think in this case I I can be more successful, and in this case I can provide my family with uh, with uh, with more support. I think uh, financially or. Uh, but your business experience uh, is not going to go to waste. I mean, you were a you were a manager. You dealt with import export people externally. You spoke different languages. I imagine you did a fair amount of travel. Yes, in yeah. Iran. Uh, so, uh, what? How does that all morph into what you want to do in the United States? Like, what's the? What's your dream? Is it a restaurant? Is it an? Is it an export operation? Is it something that, if sanctions are lifted in Iran, that in, involves export import to Iran? I. Maybe uh, maybe to the United States. I really like to uh, to have a kind of uh, a kind of um, uh, cultural uh, maybe uh, a kind of uh, business that introduce my culture to the uh, to the people of the United States. I I really like to uh, introduce the. Uh, amazing handicrafts of Iran. Uh, that's why I. Uh, that's the thing that I really think about. Mm, the rugs, the the, the rugs, stitching, they, yeah, the stones. Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, uh, I, I think people here uh, appreciate the the handicrafts and the the things that uh, are done by by hands. So I really like to to. to in- introduce these things to the people of the United States. Okay, so let's 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 come up with this. Think of this as, you know, <laughs> we have about 15 minutes left. 
if if you if if someone came to you and said like Reza, I like your enthusiasm, I like your experience. What kind of ideas do you have now? Pitch us on an idea or two. Yeah. Things that would work here in Central Virginia. You and I discussed the idea of opening up the first Persian restaurant here. Yes, uh, and besides, but that, you told me you whispered in my ears like, not just Persian restaurant. We need a Persian Cracker Barrel. How would that work? <laughs> yes, um, I, I like to mix these two because uh, <laughs> because I think uh, yeah, I think uh, if if uh, if they uh, can ha- enjoy both, it will work. Uh, so work. a country store with handicrafts and then Persian food. Yes, exactly, and. Also also uh, Persian music. Uh, you, uh, yes, we have. Uh, see, uh, we have lots of amazing things. Uh, lots of things that root back to the uh, to, uh, to, uh, to maybe to our history. So uh, why uh, why let uh, people of other countries enjoy it, uh, enjoy them uh, too? Mm. Um, w- what is your wife suggesting? Uh, he, uh, she is uh, supporting me with this idea. And uh, what are what are kind of the next steps for you? What do we like? Uh, do you feel like you need to get education, capital? I mean, how does a person do it within fifteen years of coming here? There's there, for other immigrants, 15 months. fifteen months. Sorry, for other people, there's such a sense of shell shock and uh, stranger in a strange world that there's no possible way you could get your sea legs to start a business. But do you find that, for example, are you depending on the Iranian-American community here or, or some people in, in, in the Washington, people, D.C. People, corridor? No, people, people, of the, uh, people of the United States um, appreciate um, uh, other cultures, I think. Yeah? And they, uh, that's why uh, it, is a, uh, it is a multicultural community. Uh, so uh, I think if if we can introduce our culture and uh, if they uh, if we let them to uh, taste our wonderful kebab, so they they will <laughs> they will enjoy. Are you are you and your wife good cooks? Yes. So if we throw like an impromptu resume kebab thing at at Reza's house, listen, I'm not you know I'm not inviting people to your house, <laughs> wink wink. But if I were to arrange something, if people if people listen to this broadcast, it's like you know what I want to meet Mr. Devari. I was like Reza, man, we gotta get 500 pounds of ground beef and some lamb. You could really hook it up very quickly. Reza's backyard barbecue uh, with your resumes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> your kebab is that good. Um. Two years ago, I invited some of uh, my family out uh, for a for a picnic. I made them uh, kebab dande. And uh, what is kebab dande? I haven't heard of that. Uh, it, I made it for uh, for, for the, the flank, ribs of the ribs of the rib, sure. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, it was wonderful. And uh, these people raved about it. Yes. Did they say, "Listen, you need to open this up in a restaurant"? Uh, and they they kept uh, they kept uh, asking me for another kebab and <laughs> Is this something where your wife would? Uh, she says she supports you. Would she go into business with you? Uh, yes, um, exactly. You know, we, um, for uh, for a start, we uh, we have to do um, most of the things ourselves. Mm. Tell us about your child. Tell us more about your child. What are your aspirations here? So the acclimation period in 15 months has been, um, you know, it was rocky at first. Your son misses some grandparents and relatives over there. But has he been decidedly Americanized in 15 months? Um, we tried our best to uh, to keep him uh, 
both-sided maybe. Uh, we, we don't want him to forget all, uh, all about the things that we have uh, in Iran. So uh, be, uh, beside learning new things, we, uh, we, we try to keep him uh, Iranian too. <laughs> and uh, what about, um, you know, I, I keep shifting with you. What about the the other opportunities for people to be exchanged? You know, person to person exchanges. I mean, you 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 said to me offline that there were very frustrating things that you had to deal with as a person who was willing to sacrifice his entire identity in his country to come here. That you were not allowed to bring money. Or that you were you were kind of a victim of the uh, bureaucracy. What are some of the things that you think both governments can do to encourage more person to person exchanges? Uh, I think if uh, when people uh, uh, wanted to move to another country, the, the, uh, they have to have their own uh, their uh, their own uh, money or the, the things that they people need to start their life uh, in in their new country so they need some basic things and uh, uh, and the main things for uh, the main tool for making a life life is money so uh, i think they have to um, have their own money here and what is your advice to uh, other Iranians that are going to be able to hear this? I mean, this is it's not just going to be on radio locally or regionally, but now wh what's beautiful, you talk about how you were able to pull up things on the Internet and research Central Virginia and get a head start on this, whereas it would not have been possible a decade ago, in spite of all the difficulties of Internet access there. What is your message to uh, other people in Iran who are on the fence, who are looking maybe to start a business or to uh, do I stay do I leave what 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 is what is the best advice you can offer them I really like to uh, to suggest maybe them uh, to to enjoy their uh, uh, and I like to say that you can uh, you can enjoy your life whenever you are wherever you are so if you wanted uh, to go to another country I think you have to study uh, a lot and you have to check all of the opportunities that you may have over there such as uh, uh, such as um, uh, if you want to uh, continue your study, you know, uh, the, uh, if I put it in short, uh, you should know what you want to do. Uh, it's not to wasting, uh, it, it's not time uh, for wasting uh, anything, not your time, not your money. Uh, and uh, you have to, um, you have to enjoy your life to the fullest. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We're talking to Reza Davari, who left Iran 15 months ago uh, with his son and wife to start anew here in the United States. He was lucky to win an immigration lottery. He is a budding entrepreneur. He's someone with significant management experience in his past life in Iran. And he's biding his time now as a grocery assistant and hoping to, to make it big. We'd figure we would talk to him as uh, the deadline now rapidly passes for the United States and Iran to strike some sort of uh, nuclear slash sanctions relief deal. Uh, doesn't look like it's happening as of Friday, but they may again kick the can down the road. I do want to get the idea for you, uh, Reza Jun, in the five minutes that we have left. Suppose 
I don't know, suppose you could snap your fingers and there would be a truly democratically elected government in Iran next year. And the Iranians would restore a U.S. embassy and there would be an Iranian embassy back in Washington, D.C. again. Uh, the, the people were free to travel, free to transact. What would happen? Like, walk me through that. What would be the first things you would see? A, a lot of Iranians visiting here, would you see a big push for a certain export? What would that morning after be like? Because certainly the Cubans are about to get a taste of that. And for the longest time, you know, almost for 50 years, we thought that was unthinkable. Uh I think uh, the, uh, the 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 best thing that may may happen is uh, is the ease of tra travel uh, for for the parents. Lots of parents want uh, to uh, to visit their children uh, here, so it is uh, it will be much easier for them. Uh, See, it is it is really frustrating for parents in which are not young enough uh, to go to another country uh, to go to the U.S. embassy for uh, for getting visa. So I think uh, it, it, the best part is uh, it, that this possibility for getting visa uh, to visit their their parent and their children. What if like investing advice? If someone were to say, okay, suppose this scenario happens, Reza. You meet an investor here. What is the one thing I should invest in if I had inside knowledge that there was going to be a full economic normalization? After uh, after that revolution, uh, you see what happened to Turkey, to to Dubai, um, because because at that time, uh, lots of uh, foreign uh, investors uh, thought that they can not invest their money in Iran. So they started uh, doing that in, in other countries beside Iran. And now you can see what happened to Turkey. And if you uh, compare it with Iran, you see the, you see the difference. Um, finally, on oil. I would like to talk to you about oil. We suddenly have a position here in the United States where, look, Iran was extremely strong and it was thumping its chest when oil broke $140 a barrel in 2008. They figured they could flick off, thumb their nose to D.C. You know, uh, it, it, it's like they say about a leech. A leech that sucks a lot of blood suddenly feels much bigger than it actually is. Um, but then when you see oil prices collapse, like they felt close, they fell closer to $40 by 2009, there was unrest in the streets. This regime, this economy in Iran is heavily leveraged to the price of oil. What if that goes away? I mean, we've seen, we've seen right now that the Saudis, um, they oppose some sort of easy so, deal with uh, Iran. Yeah. Yeah, what uh, happens the, in that scenario? It is it is, uh, it is, the, uh, it is uh, the Iran's weak point uh, because uh, this this um, dependence dependence. On. Yeah, I, I, and uh, now uh, this is uh, this is what uh, that politicians in in the United States and Saudi Arabia uh, they they are aware of this weakness and they can uh, they can play with that weakness. But you don't believe, you know, in in closing, you don't believe in playing that weakness to the extent that it keeps the Iranian people suffering. People like who were in your shoes as a struggling entrepreneur, as a father, someone who wanted to make an honest business. Again, there's this dichotomy. It's one thing to make the regime suffer. It's another thing to try to put the screws to however many people now, 65, 70 million people? Yes. Um, yeah. In the hopes that the regime would fall. You think they're two different victims? 
Uh, yes, uh, I, I think the, the main victim of this, uh, this political situation is, is, uh, is, or is the people. You know that uh, the people are in, in power. Uh, they have all of the things that they want and they, they, uh, some, sometimes they forget about people. So the main victims of these decisions are uh, the, the people. The working class people yeah, at that yeah, level. Yeah, uh, I do want to end it on a positive note. I'm going to uh, put you on the spot here, Reza. Are we going to see Mr. Reza Davari's kebab house within a year or two here in Central Virginia? Let's, the whole world is going to is going to hold you up to it. So tell us. <laughs> yes, may, uh, maybe no tar off, sir. Yeah, and maybe in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, we were talking to Reza Davari uh, 15 months ago. He came here from Iran to start a new life as an entrepreneur in America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Agha, for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure for me being here. Full disclosure, listen to us on NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and WRIR. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Full D Radio. And come back to join us next week. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. Farzad.